the Gospel of John, chapter number 1, Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We'll look at a couple verses later in 1 John as well, but uh, we're going to go to the Gospel of John. And very excited to, to start this study with, with y'all tonight and been praying for, for weeks and months really on really going through the Gospel of John. And I've been reading through it. Um, I wish I could say that uh, the message tonight is weeks and weeks and weeks of study, um, but it's been weeks and weeks and weeks of reading the Word of God and just dwelling on it and meditating on it and then trying to kind of go through verse by verse and just look what the Lord has for us tonight. And so um, go, we'll look at the first 18 verses here in John chapter 1. But uh, studying the Gospel of John, when you look through the Gospel of John, we get to study the most important, the most significant the most preeminent, the most influential person in the history of the world, and that person is who? Jesus Christ. And you're just going through this, it's, it's amazing. I love reading through the Gospels. Uh, John is, I feel like whatever Gospel I'm in, that's my favorite Gospel. So right now, John is my favorite Gospel. But one theologian said it like this about the Gospel of John. He said, the Gospel of John is deep enough, deep enough for an elephant to swim in, yet shallow enough that a child won't drown in. And what that means is if you are been in church a long time, been a mature Christian, study the Word of God, you're not, uh, you're not going to be bored. Uh, you're not going to just know all the answers here in John. You're going to grow. Uh, you're going to learn. Uh, and maybe the opposite. Maybe you've not been in church a long time. Maybe you haven't read through the book of John. Uh, it, it's saying that it's not going to be overwhelming to you. It could be, a, 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 you can learn and you can grow as well through this. And so, question tonight, who is the author of the book of John? I had a trick question, and he got it. The author is God. Who's the writer? John, uh, the disciple there. And uh, I think we all understand what I'm saying there. God, God inspired these men to write the Word of God, but we have uh, the, the, the writer is, is John. And so most likely uh, was one of the last Gospels written, and some believe that maybe he's pulling from some different accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, maybe filling in some of the, some of the areas. That, um, but John is 90% unique to the other Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke... Uh, really 60% the same in content uh, from different perspectives, and they highlight different accounts, and there's no contradictions in those accounts. And I remember probably about 15, 20 years ago speaking with someone who had just recently got saved, and their question was, why did Jesus have to die four times? Um, they read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and thought Jesus got crucified four different times. Uh, it's uh, all the same account, just written by four different people, different perspectives on that. So Jesus only had to die one time. He only had to shed his blood one time for our sins. Um, and um, anyway, so uh, while those Gospels are mostly similar, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we, what we read and what we see in the Gospel of John, 90% unique, in that we did not, if we did not have the Gospel of John, there would be a lot that we would not know about Christ and what Christ did and how he interacted with other people. Um, and I'm very excited to study this with you. And uh, we're starting with Jesus uh, to understand who God is. And so we'll look at Jesus through um, these verse, 18 verses here. And we'll see Jesus through uh, the Gospel of John uh, many, many times. And when we get to some of these uh, references that we'll mention tonight and we'll read through it, we'll go more in depth when we come to it. But can I ask you, uh, by way of introduction this morning, and I say this to you, what you think about Jesus Christ is the most important thing about you. What you think about Jesus Christ is the most important thing about you. What I mean by that is many people, um, and I could be guilty of this sometimes too, is Jesus was just uh, a way to get out of hell. 
and uh, never have a, people never have a relationship with him again. And uh, God only knows the heart. Sometimes I do question if they were ever saved, uh, but God does know the heart. But what I want to just challenge you through going through these verses tonight is really just unfold who Jesus is and ask you the question, and we'll end with that question, who is Jesus to you? Uh, I've met many people who really, they could look at it as their fire insurance. They called on Jesus' name, and they know that they're going to go to heaven according to the word of God, but they never desire to have a relationship with Christ outside of salvation. Um, can I just say, uh, as many times as we've used this illustration, if you love someone, you're going to want to spend time with them. And so I just want to also challenge us as a church family, as Christians, as, as fathers, husbands, as wives and mothers and uh, brothers and sisters and uh, family, uh, where, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Um, and I want, I don't, be careful how I say this. Um, follow me on this if you can. Uh, is he just your savior? Now, he's not just the savior, we understand that, but is he just the one who prepared a way for you to get to heaven, or is he everything to you? Uh, I hope our life is everything about Jesus Christ. Uh, why do we have in these uh, Bible clubs? for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why was Brother Rich burdened about going into those, those uh, retirement homes for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Getting them the good news because we need to make much about Jesus Christ. We need to make less, <laughs> less about Caleb Schnur, more about Jesus Christ. And so some things about the writer of John, okay? He was a disciple. Uh, he saw the miracles. Uh, Jesus, or John was at the empty tomb. He was a close friend to Jesus. And we see this when Jesus was on the cross and it was John that he gave the responsibility, Jesus gave the responsibility to take care of his mother, uh, Mary. And so let's look here, John chapter one and verse number one. And as right before we get into this, let's just pray and then we'll get into the Bible study tonight. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I do ask for, Lord, your words to be said tonight. Lord, nothing... Nothing of me, uh, Lord, hide me behind the cross, Lord, I, uh, many times I, I know, uh, Lord, I know I, I'm the last person who should be up here opening up your word, but Lord, I just am asking you uh, for your word to be presented tonight. Help us as we study your word tonight as a family, Lord, to just get something from your word that we could stand on, that's a truth, Lord, maybe something also that we can be encouraged by, but also something that we could be challenged in to be more like Christ. Help us to be more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to purposely live for you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. John 1, 1, it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Can I just say, and when we stop right there, we could literally just lesson after lesson after lesson just from John 1, 1. There's so much here uh, and we might come back to just this verse, but we won't spend uh, the whole message on this verse. But uh, look at the, just the first three words there. In the beginning. What does that remind you of in the Word of God? Genesis 1.1. And if you look at a lot of the ways that some of the writers write the Word of God, some in the Gospel and some other passages of Scripture, a lot of the times the writer will introduce themselves uh, and they'll say, hey, this is who I am. By the way, here's a prayer for you. Here's a prayer of blessing. Um, some of the Gospels even go back to certain uh, times of history, to Abraham, to, to David, and uh, to, but I love how John literally goes back to the very beginning, and he doesn't even say, hey, I'm John, this is who I am. He just gets right after it, and he says, in the beginning was the Word, and uh, w just for, 
sake of Bible study tonight, I think there's probably the majority in here that know this, but for those that maybe don't know, this word, for the word, word here, is referring to Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, but the word logos here, referring to Jesus in the beginning, was the word. Uh, Here we see uh, John is not talking about himself, he's talking about Jesus. Verse 2, John 1, verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. And as we go through these 18 verses, we got five points I'd like to pull out to you tonight. Number one, uh, if you're taking notes, Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is the eternal God. Uh, this is so important because there's, there's a lot of false teachings that, that teach about Jesus that we do not see in Scripture. I believe there's many, uh, really, it's a lot of things that may be in the Bible that uh, theologically that we can maybe disagree on as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not saying that those things are not important, but there are some things that we can agree to disagree on in some different areas. But uh, we have to get this right when it comes to Jesus Christ. This is what separates Christianity from a lot of other religions that maybe might be close to the gospel, but it's not the gospel, even if it's close. Jesus Christ is the gospel. We have to get this right. Jesus is the what? Eternal God. If someone is believing in or teaching about a Jesus that does not exist in Scripture, then it's false, and that cannot save them. That is why we have to get this right, and John is clearly... Clearly, all through the Gospel of John, we see something that is called the deity of Christ, which I guess if you could translate it into Caleb Schnur version, deity of Christ is understanding that Jesus is in fact God. Uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is not saying that Jesus had a beginning, uh, but that at the beginning of everything, Jesus already was. He already existed. Uh, There's a lot of cults out there that teach and try to convince that Jesus um, is not the eternal God, that Jesus had a beginning, uh, that Jesus was created. Uh, Some even go to, you know, they'll say that uh, he was just a man, uh, and then he became a God. They go even further, and they'll say that uh, just like Jesus became a man and then became a God someday, too, because you're a man, you will become a God. And this is simply, obviously, not true. Uh, Some say that Jesus was a prophet or or just a good man. He was a good influence on society. Uh, But we must understand that Jesus was much, much more than those things. The Bible clearly teaches us that Jesus is, in fact, the eternal God. John 1, 2, the same was in the beginning with God. Okay, so for 2,000 years as Christians... Uh, we have always believed in a triune God, okay, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, but three persons in that one God. And John is very clear on this, and we will see all throughout John, and we'll study it in depth when we come to it, uh, but a few instances, if you can keep your place there in John chapter 1, flip your Bible and go over to John chapter 8. I want you to see this. John chapter 8, keeping your place there in John chapter 1, Jesus is the eternal God. John 8, Jesus is having a conversation with the Jews, and in this conversation, Abraham comes up, and Jesus says this in verse number 58 of John chapter 8, verse 58. says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, what's those next two words? I am. I love this. I love those two words. He didn't say I was. He said, 
I am. Jesus is the eternal God and always has been and always will be. Amen. John 10, uh, they're over in John 10, says, I and my Father are one. Okay, Jesus is the eternal God. Go back to John chapter 1. Uh, but Jesus is clearly saying, I am God. Look at verse number 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So not only is Jesus the eternal God that we saw in verses 1 and 2, but number 2, Jesus is the creator God. Jesus created all things. Keep your place there in John chapter 1, please. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Look at two verses here in Colossians 1. I want you to see this. So not only is Jesus the eternal God, not only is Jesus the creator God, uh, but we also see here in Colossians 1.15, talking about the creator God, talking about <clears throat> excuse me, the preeminence of Christ. Uh, preeminence is really just a, a fancy way of saying first place. Uh, he is, he is b- to be preeminent in our life. Look at verse 15 in Colossians chapter 1. Who is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Okay, A couple words I want to highlight here. Invisible God, talking about Jesus. This is Jesus we're talking about here in this verse. Uh, the word firstborn, not teaching. Not teaching that Jesus had a beginning. Uh, this is a term, this is a phrase talking about his preeminence, speaking of, import, uh, in, of order of importance, okay? The firstborn. Verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be, by, uh, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. This is speaking about Jesus. We have to get this right about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is the creator God. Look at verse 4, John chapter 1, verse number 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, okay, don't get confused here. Uh, Many times I could just read right through this and just totally mix up which John we're talking about here, okay? The Gospel of John was written by the disciple of John. And now the disciple of John is writing about John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, okay? John, the cousin of Jesus. John who came to prepare the way for Jesus. Uh, John the Baptist was a little rough around the edges. He was bold. Uh, He didn't really follow all the rules maybe that you're supposed to follow and we'll see in the coming weeks. Uh, where the religious people would literally sent people out to try to talk to John, try to find out who he is, what he was talking about, what he was trying to do. Uh, But this is talking about John the Baptist. Uh, Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, John the Baptist. Verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Verse 8, he was not that light. John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Who is the light? That's also Jesus Christ. So John the disciple, talking about John the Baptist, okay, John the Baptist is not that light. He's speaking of that light, and that light is Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, okay? Verse 9, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made by him. Okay, here's another reference to, uh, to, to uh, stand on for that Jesus is the creator God, okay? The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And kind of a side note here, we see that Jesus is the giver of life, but Jesus is the giver of light. He shines in the darkness of that light. You know, not everyone likes that light. Um, because that light, Jesus Christ, it exposes the darkness. Um, maybe you've experienced this, but uh, I know for me, it can, it can, sometimes I can get discouraged in this, but they're not rejecting me. But when you speak the name of Jesus Christ, or you speak about him, or give the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's many people that will reject that. Uh, they, they don't like the light that is being exposing their darkness, uh, and they, they're, they're rejecting Jesus Christ. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus Christ. And it's not that um, we're being rude or we're being judgmental. Okay, No, we're trying to be loving. We're trying to be gracious and give them the truth. And not all of us all the time have an A-plus on our report cards in that area. Okay, I remember many times I wish I could go back and I was getting, I was getting into a debate, and you'll never debate somebody into heaven. Huh? And what I mean by that is argue with somebody and try to, to, to get all puffed up and proud. No, we're supposed to speak to them in truth and in love. And uh, we should strive to, uh, to, to preach the name of Jesus Christ with having a good testimony for our Savior. But there are just some people that are just so irritated by that light because uh, they're living in that darkness, and that light exposes their darkness. And that is who Jesus is. He is that light he exposes the darkness, it shines, and there is no place that darkness can escape his light. Verse number nine, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So what, we, what I believe this is saying here is what we would call really the inward witness or maybe our self-evidence that God exists because of the conscience of that light or that light that shines in the darkness of a heart. So this is so important that when God speaks to us, okay, um, in the area of salvation, maybe there's someone here tonight that doesn't know that they're, that where their eternal destination is. That's why it's so important to not reject that light. That light is coming and it's exposing the darkness and it's opening our eyes and the scales are being moved back, if you will, to see that we, uh, that light that shines into our filthy rags and then we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and he washes away that sin and gives us his righteousness. But we see this in Romans 1 that there comes a point when people's foolish, foolish hearts will become de uh, darkened when they keep rejecting that light. They reject the truth. Uh, there is a point, if you will, that light will go away and their mind is, is turned over to a reprobate mind. But thank God for his grace and his mercy I would dare say that many people in here tonight, probably the first time you heard the gospel, did not get saved. Uh, probably not. Uh, let me, can we do this? Here tonight, uh, maybe, you, can you raise your hand if you heard the gospel, you did not get saved the first time you heard the gospel. My hand's raised. That's, that's literally the majority of people in here. The first time I heard the gospel, I didn't get saved. Maybe because I didn't understand it. Uh, but maybe some of you in here can say, I just rejected it. Uh, I thank God for his loving uh, kindness and his mercy. And I say this in context of I don't know where you are and I can't see your heart. And I'm glad you can't see my heart. Uh, but maybe God is speaking to you and he's dr been drawing you in and you know you need to trust him in your, in, as your savior. Don't reject that light. Don't push it off. Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is the creator God. That leads me to number three. Jesus is the savior God. 
Look at verse number 11 of John, John chapter 1 here, verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. So Jesus came unto his own. They rejected him. Many of the Jews didn't believe that he was the Messiah. They got angry. Uh, they crucified him. But verse 12 continues on and says this, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not only is Jesus the eternal God, the creator God, but he is the savior God. Think about this. The God who created everything came to this earth willingly. He came to save us. Why? Because we were in desperate need of a savior. Even though he created us, we rebelled against him. Uh, we ran away from him. We ran away from the Father. And God, who is holy and righteous and will never overlook sin, and that sin dem demands a payment to be paid. And God, Jesus, entered into human history. Jesus came into this world, became the Savior God to come and to save us. You mean Jesus, the eternal God, came here to save me? You mean Jesus, the creator God, came here to be my savior God? Oh, man. Think about that. Amen. Lord, thank you. Uh, let's take our Bibles. Keep your place right there. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. And let's look at verse 14 here. 1 John 4, 14. Why would he ever come here? Well, we'll get to that in John chapter 3, verse 16 in a couple weeks here. Man, thankful for that. Verse 14 in 1 John chapter 4, it says this. And we have been, or we have seen, excuse me, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son. Okay, pause here. Another reference to the perfect harmony, if you will, of the Trinity of God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Okay, go back to John chapter 1 there. We'll read verse 12 again. But as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believes, uh, believe on his name. So pause here for a moment. Realize this. You have the authority through faith in Jesus Christ. You have that authority to become a son of God. Why? Because of faith in Jesus Christ. You see, there's only two categories. Those who receive him, and those who reject him. There's no in-between. You either receive him or you don't. Uh, many people, uh, uh, they'll think that they don't need a savior. Uh, I, I, I'm thankful uh, for the, where I was born, the family that I was born into. I realized at a young age uh, that I needed a savior. But there's many people who are living comfortably, if you will. Maybe they have a lot of money in the bank. Maybe they have a lot of success in their business. But they don't think they need a savior. Uh, maybe they think they can receive their own Righteousness. I've used this phrase before. Maybe many of you have heard this too, but people say, well, that's okay for you to have. If you need Jesus as that crutch, go ahead. Yeah, that's good for you. I don't need him. Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is not just the, only the creator God, but praise God, he's also the savior God. Look at verse 14 here in John chapter one. In the word, who's the word class? Jesus, okay? And the word who was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the, glo uh, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's where it gets personal. Jesus entered into humanity. 
Uh, theologians would call this the incarnation or the incarna uh, of Jesus. And I hear carne, I think of, sorry, carne asada, <laughs> um, the Mexican food. I can't wait to get to heaven. I know Mexican food is going to be there. And I'm going to have carne asada with Jesus, uh, the word who was made flesh. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, where are we going after uh, the service tonight? I guess we're going to the Mexican restaurant. But uh, he was the incarnate one. God became, God came in the flesh. He came, get this, and he lived where we lived. He experienced what we have experienced. And there's some things that he experienced that we should have experienced, but he took that away from us. Uh, go over here. I'm um, sorry I'm making you flip all over tonight, but keep your place there in John. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. It's my favorite song. Thank you. That was good timing. Hebrews chapter 4. Miss April, if you could flash that uh, silent cell phone picture up there on the screen at this time. Oh, man, it's up. Never mind. Just, no, it's okay. It happens to, happens to all of us. Uh, Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 14. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Jesus really did come to this earth, and he felt what we felt. So not only is Jesus the eternal God, not only is Jesus the creator God, not only is Jesus the savior God, but number four, and there's five more points, we're almost done here, or not five more, there's five total. Uh, my mother-in-law is about to walk out from downstairs, but uh, no. Jesus, number four, Jesus is the human God. Now follow me on this, okay? Not human God as in the sense Jesus wasn't deity, uh, or man made a God. I mean, God became human and he entered his own creation. He walked where we walked. He felt what we felt. He came to us. So there's a lot of religions that say out there that somehow you have to earn and get to where God is. But here's the glorious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the opposite. The gospel is God came to us. God came to us. He came to where I was. He came to where I am. And he went through so much. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves me. And he did what we could never do. He lived the perfect life that all of us fall short of, even on our best days. And then he died the death that we deserved. Next time, we'll, we'll look in great depth at what Jesus went through for us on the cross. And later, John says that Jesus is the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. His audience knew exactly what John was referring to when, when he said, behold, the Lamb of God whose blood was shed for us. He said this, Jesus lived the life we couldn't. Jesus died the death that we deserved. Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he is God. Jesus is a human God. Verse 14 there again. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace in truth, it's, it's personal. Uh, he came to us. We have a God who is the eternal God, the creator God, the savior God. He became human for us. And he demonstrated by leaving heaven and coming here to become a man. Um, we'll look in great depth as we go through the Gospel of John, but there are several instances that we see that Jesus 
voluntarily sets aside, uh, if you will, the attributes of God. Uh, when he, he, It showed in the word of God that he was hungry. Uh, it wasn't that he was not God at that point. He did not appeal to those God attributes at that time. Uh, later, we see that they're asking him when he was going to return. And Jesus said when he was here on this earth, says, only the Father knows. Uh, that wasn't because Jesus is not, in fact, God. It's just he was not appealing to those attributes of God. Jesus was, in fact, 100% man, 100% God. And we can go through so many different instances. But Jesus felt the things that we feel. Jesus know, knows what it's like to grieve. Uh, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. And he suffered more than any of us will ever have to suffer as a child of God when he died on that cross. Sometimes, you know, there's some things that we, that we come to in Scripture. It's hard to wrap our mind around, uh, maybe at first. And maybe the more, uh, more that we read it, the more that we under, uh, study it, maybe the more we understand about it. But there's, if I can be honest with you, there's some things in the Word of God that's really hard for my human mind to completely wrap my mind around. I believe that Jesus Christ came and died for me. I know that I have a home in heaven forever. But it's so hard for my human mind to comprehend eternity. It's hard. Uh, it, it is. But, uh, uh, but let, me, let me just, uh, as we're wrapping up here, let me just say, ask you this. Why would a holy and righteous God who created us when we were rebellious towards him come to us? The Bible says that we were his enemies. Uh, while we were his enemies, he died for us. You know, I would give my life for my wife. I would. If someone walked in the house that was not supposed to be there, they would meet me first and also with my little friend, Okay. Um, and it's not my dog, if you're wondering. Um, I would lay my life down, not even thinking twice about it. Uh, my kids, I would lay my life down for them, not even thinking twice about it. It's, it's not even a contest. Of course I'm going to lay my life down for them. And I would lay down my life, well, for most of you, not all of you, but most of you. But I don't want to stir up anything in your heart tonight. But I do want to ask you this. Maybe think of a time that you were betrayed. Maybe you were wronged. Maybe someone treated you horribly wrong, and they were your, quote-unquote, enemy, you would very much think twice about laying your life down for someone who is your enemy. And God didn't think twice. And he sent his son, Jesus, came here. He was the eternal creator, savior, human God. He came here. He came here for me when I was his enemy. He came to us. That's how much love he has for us today. I don't know what you're facing right now. Maybe it's been a tough week. Maybe it's been a tough uh, month. Maybe a tough season. Maybe it's been a, a tough several years. Uh, maybe you don't feel loved. No matter what you're going through, know, <laughs> know that you are loved by God. Know you're loved by God. And lastly, number five tonight, not only is Jesus the eternal God, Jesus the creator God, Jesus the savior God, Jesus the human God, Jesus is the only God. Jesus is the only God. Look at verse number 15 in John chapter 1. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now the reference to eternal God. Verse 16, And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. Verse 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay, not saying that Jesus canceled the law, but saying that Jesus fulfilled the law the law, right? He did what we cannot do. He lived a perfect life. That's why he had, was the perfect lamb, and he could die for us. And John, John the Baptist is saying, don't look at me, look at Jesus. And as Christians, that's our message today. Don't look at me, 
look at Jesus. And Jesus is that light, and that light shines in our life today, and that is why we were here today for that light, not to be the Caleb Schnur light, that would, that would not last very long at all, but the light of Jesus Christ is supposed to shine through us for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is that light that exposes that darkness. Look at verse number 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. That word declared simply means that he explained or he exegeted the Father. Here is a really important verse. If you don't have a Trinitarian view, meaning that uh, one God, one being, existing in three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe in that, you're going to have a hard time with other scripture in the Word of God. Uh, there's going to be other times for Scripture, uh, if you did not believe in that, Scripture would contradict itself, right? Because it says no man has seen God. Well, I could think of many places where people saw God. But again, when you look at Jesus, verse 18, uh, the first, first, first uh, verses of 18 of John chapter 1, and you put all of that together, uh, you understand that when it says that no man uh, has seen God, it's talking about no man has seen the Father, We've seen Jesus, right? Because Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Three persons in one being. They are all God. Uh, the, the, that word uh, has de um, there with declared, right? Explained the Father. The word being there, being Jesus, the word Jesus has declared the Father. And it's so important that we get this. So when people have seen God, what they have seen, they've, they, uh, they've seen God the Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus, the eternal God, the creator God, the savior God, the human God, and the only God. I want you to turn to John chapter 14, and we'll close with this. And we're, we're going to go through this in depth when we come to it, probably months uh, down the road. But John 14, verse 6, says this. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only God. He is not the one, he's not just one of many. Uh, he's not one of many, excuse me. He is the only God. And that's so important. Uh, Jesus, we got to understand who Jesus is to understand, to understand God. And let me go back to the question that we asked at the very beginning. What you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Is he your savior? And uh, let me rephrase this. <laughs> Not just do you think he's your savior, do you know he's your savior? Do you know he is your savior God? Maybe someone here tonight, on a Sunday night, does not, is, is battling this thing. I don't know if he's my savior God. Well, I want to extend that invitation to you to get that settled tonight, November 5th, 2023. Uh, the, the, ask Jesus Christ to come into you and save you from your sins. He came here. He's the eternal God. He is the uh, creator God. He is the uh, Savior God, he's the human God, he is the only, he's the only God. Let's make much in our daily lives, let's make much about Jesus.